Here we go. What's up, y'all? I am Chris Chouse, and this is Straight Chubb, the fantasy football podcast brought to you by the Fantasy Headliners. Welcome back to the show. Hope everybody's doing well. We are doing fabulous, man. Why? Because I got my guy in the house again, Mr. Jake Hubman. What's going on, buddy? Man, I'm glad to be back. I get to have some more fun here on the podcast. I, I know already. I have no idea what you're going to talk about, but I already know we're, we're going to have some fun because... This this whole catching me off guard with questions, I actually kind of enjoy it, dude. I like I like just winging it off the top of my head. It makes me feel like I'm alive. Yeah, man, it, it makes you look smarter too, right? Because you're just boom. Eh, eh, mm. There's no, not, not too many things that I can say that make me look smarter. Chow's sure. like this is just like this is the look that I got. All right, I got a, I got a, a face for radio <laughs> as is, and I'm already putting it on video. So exactly, it is what it is. We we don't need to go any further than that. But you know what? I promised like last week. I promised you the opportunity will be coming. And I am a man of my word, man. The airing of grievances. I got some problems with you people, and now you're going to hear them. Here we go, man. This is Jake's inaugural okay. grievance. Okay, so I have a, I have a few. One in which I, I, I said to you pre-show that I was going to talk about. But as you're sitting there with that amazing intro, by the way, I mean, the airing of grievances, we need to get like a sound drop. We need to get Taylor involved for a sound drop on that. But it kind of got me thinking about another conversation we've had today uh, on Twitter, you and I, and our group chat about people on Twitter that feel entitled. Mm. And that part is a grievance that I would like to air here because let me tell you something. I don't care how many followers you have on Twitter. I don't care how many followers you have on Instagram, Facebook. That doesn't make you anything. So mm. if you're out there basing your success off your Twitter account, dude, you've already lost the game. Totally agree. I mean, come How's on, that man. I mean, I, did I bring some fire with that one? I love it. It felt I good. It feels good to get it out, right? It just, good. Yeah. just get it all out, man. This Felt is what good. it's here for. That's right. Awesome. But I agree. I mean, come on, man. You got to put in the work, man. What is with all of the, you know, I deserve this. I deserve that. Like, you know what? We are all for everything positive here at the headliners. But I mean, really, guys, I mean, if you just sit there and say, you know what? I need this and this should be mine. Just show me what you did to get yeah. there, man. That's that's yeah. all it's about. You got to grind and you got to get there. If you're not grinding, you're not going to get there. And, and what? STFU. And that's it. <laughs> STFU, man. <laughs> FU. This is what that's it right. is. See? See, this is what makes the day all much better, man. You just air it out. And now we can move forward, man. We got some football to talk about, baby. There isn't a lot going on. It seems like the same two headlines are dominating. But before we dive into that, I have a conundrum. A massive oh, conundrum. Dear. That I need to ask because I don't even I, know what conundrum means. I know, you know, I just I, <laughs> I, I, throw, I look at the dictionary before every show to get yeah. one word, and and this is what comes to me, you know. The conundrum is fantasy football commissioners, man. We need help. Okay. I am a commissioner myself. And and now with the season going an extra week, what the hell are we doing when it comes to fantasy football playoffs and the championship? Because I am of the opinion, always have been, it's week 16 is your final. If you're playing week 17, man, I mean, I got a little bit of a, you know, what are you doing? Uh, it's a little bit, you know, you just, you're trying to prolong the season for no reason. But for me, it was always week 16, but now we got the extra week. So now week 17 would be the uh, uh, last year's week 16. And I'm thinking everything is going to be defaulted and moved to 17. Am I wrong? I mean, I think it probably should be, honestly. And here's the thing. I think with the the enhanced schedule is what I'll call it because it's a big word I could use, enhanced. It makes no sense in this sentence, but I'm using it anyway. Uh, I With the added game, I have a feeling there's going to be times 
throughout the regular season that NFL teams choose to rest players, maybe if they have a big lead late in game, something like that, maybe more often than what we've seen in the past, because they know even though it's one extra game, that one game can take a toll and kill somebody heading into the playoffs. They need these guys to still be fresh. So I think that they get their rest throughout the year and not so much just wait for the last game of the season, last two games of the season. So, yeah, I, I mean, I think week 17, you still see the majority of starters out there, at least for the teams that are fighting for playoff bursts and have something to play for. If you're, let's just say Tampa Bay at that point, and you're 15 and one, do we, do we see a whole lot that game? Maybe, maybe those something like that, you know, plays a part, but otherwise, nah, uh, I, I think it just defaults one extra week. Consider yourself lucky. You get an extra week of fantasy football this year. Yeah, man. And I mean, it, it's a great question because I was talking with some buddies of mine as well and they're commissioners of other leagues. And we're saying, you know, really, I mean, if, if, if they were to sit on the week 17 and 18, I mean, your bye week is already in the middle. So we were discussing also, you know, the fact of could these teams be giving them a quote unquote NBA buy? You know, we see this all the time in the NBA where they rest these guys for no reason. And, and now we're saying in the NFL, is this going to come to fruition? Because I think I still saw the, the preseason is still four games this year. I mean, so that's that's a lot of work for these guys, man. Is it four games? I thought it was three games. I hope it's three because when I was looking at the schedule, I think I, I still saw four weeks, man. Well, you know what? While you're talking right here, let me just give it a Google. That's worth a Google. Google right? is Google's our best friend. But yeah, that's man. Right. So <laughs> when it comes to the, the week 17 or saying the players are going to be sitting week 17 and 18, I don't think we can say that that's really going to happen. So because I mean, that's going to be what four weeks. It's three boom confirmation See? right here see, see I, I get some things right i am here for a reason perfect man see my <laughs> eyes i was you know lack of sleep man that's why that's i okay. still saw four but okay so i think for all commissioners that's what we're doing it's week 17 and if you guys are going to week 18 i mean i just i got nothing to say that's stupid i can't support that one bit because i think that's a little crazy yes breaking news we saw today man if you believe it it is may end of may and we got some breaking news it is jeff wilson man he goes down with the meniscus injury he goes for surgery today he is out officially four to six months man so that gives him what june july august september october potential return and and i mean this does everything right for uh mustard and now trey sermon i would i would think right yeah i mean fun fact before we get into the, to this breakdown i have torn my meniscus in both knees at this current moment they're both torn fun fact for headliner nation Whoa, man. I, I didn't go i don't get walking? them fig- uh i can walk it, i mean you can hear everything crunching inside my knees and i probably need surgery but i'm too fat and lazy to go through rehab so i'm just living with it uh anyway on to the nfl version of it it sucks for for the tax man jeff wilson i mean the guy is pretty talented he just never can stay healthy but the thing you can see about that too is raheem Mostert can't seem to stay healthy either I think Mostert's the the big play guy in the backfield. I think he's the guy that maybe doesn't get the most touches, but does the most with the touches that he gets. Trey Sermon is is super intriguing to me. I love the landing spot in San Francisco. And we've talked about the 49ers backfield a lot in the past that I don't think it really matters who you throw back there. They're going to be productive. I mean, nobody had heard of Raheem Mostert. Nobody had heard of Jeff Wilson Jr. Jarek McKinnon was an afterthought after all his injuries. I mean, who the hell was Jermichael Hasty at times? I mean, there's just it doesn't matter who you put back there. They find some fantasy relevance. And Trey Sermon, a bigger back, who in your scouting reports, I know these because I've watched them, mm. you talk about how he doesn't have the home run speed. He doesn't have that top-end speed. Well, that's cool. Raheem Mostert does. 
Trey Sermon can be that short yardage guy, the goal line guy, maybe the guy they rely on a little bit later in games to keep Raheem Mostert healthy. And I think he benefits the, mo- the most from this move for, for Jeff Wilson Jr. At least gets him some early season touches because if he starts producing early, he'll just earn himself more work later in the season. Yeah, I couldn't agree more. I mean, you know what the thing was for Sermon? I was, I was a little bit bullish on the guy, but I also had my knocks on him because of the I, I wasn't a believer that he is this full three down running back. But I mean, it, it was always with landing spot determined. If, if, if the landing spot dictated playing time and volume, then I was OK with it. And this is what it is in San Francisco. And now with the uh, Wilson going down, this opens the door, man. And I love that about it. And in this system with Kyle Shannon, you know me, I'm a huge Kyle Shannon supporter like you are. And I mean, this is to me nothing but right in this offense, which is predicated upon the run. Even if they do get Trey Lance in, say, after like what week eight, let's just say for argument's sake, that just opens it up even more. So it, the earlier Trey Lance gets in, the better this run game is going to be. And with Sermon, for me, I, I, I'm. It's one of these things. Do I believe that he can he can handle a full three down workload? Yes, I do. But do I believe that it would have been successful elsewhere? No. And and this is this was my problem with Sermon. But now when you see it all put together, I think that he the breakaway speed thing does concern me because I believe he nine times, eight times out of 10, he will be caught by a safety, a very fast safety. I believe he'll get caught. But like you said, you know, you put in the tandem approach with the both of them. I think it's it's money. I think it's nothing but right. And then you think about it, too. He may not be a, a three down back in the sense that he's not going to be out there dominating the backfield and receptions. But look at the team as a whole with the versatility of a Debo Samuel and a Brandon Ayuk. I mean, we see them running jet sweeps to the outside all the time with either one of these guys. They can absorb a little bit of that backfield burden with the way that they utilize their wide receivers. We know George Kill is going to be running some routes. We know he's going to be looked at inside the red zone. You got Debo Samuel once when he's healthy and Brandon Ayuk on the outside, which is their mismatch nightmares because they can do so many things really well. I mean, I think it just opens it up for whoever is in that backfield. And that's why I think if Trey, Trey Sermon can get some touches early in the season, mm. uh, dude, if this guy, if this guy can go out and, and produce early and gain some, some momentum in that offense, even when Jeff Wilson comes back, it may be too late by that point. I mean, Trey Sermon is probably somebody who is at the back half of drafts. I mean, it's still early. You can look, you know, at ADP all over the place, and a lot of it is skewed. And with this news of Jeff Wilson, I'm sure his ADP is going to rise here in the coming weeks, coming months. But I, I think he's definitely a guy that can go out there and win the majority of the work in this backfield and be more than fantasy viable a lot faster than maybe we thought he would be when he got drafted. Yeah, and, and you know what the biggest positive is for me is we know what Kyle Shanahan does in the red zone. How many times were we like yelling at our TVs when Monster wasn't in in the red zone? It's like, why you keep pulling the man out? Just, you know, mm-hmm. this is what's going to happen. Now he will take Jeff Wilson's role in the red zone. I will not be shocked, and I'll say it right now, hot take or not, I could see 10 to 12 touchdowns for sermon in this season because of how this is shaping up now he may only have 500 rushing yards but he could have 10 touchdowns easily 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 he went i I could i could easily see him not having the total yards that raheem mostert does mostert will do the big plays the the work to get him down there and then trey sermon just sucks up the touchdowns sucks it up man sucks suck it up up, baby sucks it up really good you know because that's what they do what she said <laughs> that's what she said julio jones man my guy julio is, is he making... in arizona yet yeah come on no. that's... <laughs> damn this is, this is dominating the freaking headlines everybody on twitter was losing their minds they're like i can't hear this anymore 
And here's the funny thing. So I, I put it out there because I, I thought it was kind of disrespectful for Shannon Sharp to have done that live. And, and it came out that Julio did not know that he was live on air when he was asked the question. And I don't like that. You did the man dirty. Julio is one of these quiet guys, these quiet superstars. Don't do that to the man. That's just not cool. But anyway, he says, and I quote, I am done there. And that's it. And, and so, I mean, what do we say? So I started diving into the, to the salary cap. He has post June one. So Tulio will not be moved until June 1st. That is no question about it because his dead cap would kill the Atlanta Falcons. But after June 1st, it is split in 2021, $7.75 million. And in 2022, Atlanta eats 15.5 million in dead cap. So, I mean, if you're talking about just even value for trade, that is the biggest angle I think Atlanta has, because when we say a team needs to have some uh, upper hand when they're trying to move a player, this is where they're going to use their angle now, because a lot of teams are going to try to you know, get Julio for a third rounder and they're going to say, hey, man, his contract's massive and we're going to eat it. You guys got to pay for that with draft picks. And that's kind of their leverage, in my opinion. But I mean, we're what my biggest thing is still what do we see coming back to Atlanta for Julio? I mean, this is this is what's dominating everything right now. It is. And even though they say that, I still have a sneaking suspicion that Julio had somewhat of an idea. Okay, fair enough. I mean, I just think maybe for dramatic purposes and for ratings and for clicks, they say that and it comes out that I just have a feeling that. I don't, I can't see Shannon Sharp doing that to the man. If it is, that is a serious low blow. I mean, serious, but because the conversation never said, Hey man, we're here filming. Hey, we're on the air. Nothing like that. It was straight up. Hey, you going to Dallas, you, you leaving Atlanta. What is it? Um, But here's the thing for, for Julio Jones to, to be traded somewhere, like you said, after June 1st, I don't think, (laughs) I don't think they get a first rounder back for Julio. But I would not be surprised if if a player is not included in the trade back. A younger wide receiver, maybe somebody buried on a depth chart somewhere, uh, along with some draft picks, possibly. Now, it's come out here recently that A.J. Brown is hustling, right? He out there, he, he leaving messages for Julio. And let me be the first to say that Julio in Tennessee would give me 100% chub because you got A.J. Brown, Derrick Henry, and Julio Jones, dear Dear God. Just a room uh, full of grown-ass men. Grown-ass men all over the place. There's more muscles than, than anywhere else in the NFL. Because uh, I, I still think Julio has something in the tank. I really do. I think there's a lot of behind-the-scenes drama in Atlanta that leads to the way that Julio has produced in the past few years. But he's got something left in the tank, and he's not somebody who I would be afraid to go after. I just think that the, the options are limited because of the contract as well. You know I mean? I think it's kind of going to be, hey, who's gonna, where's he going to go because he wants to win? Where is he going to go that he's going to be able to win? They're going to be able to get a return, and he's going to be able to have a lead dog role in that offense. There's not a whole lot of choices out there. I mean, we saw the pictures that DeAndre Hopkins posted with a picture of him and A.J. Green and Julio at the Pro Bowl a couple years ago. He says, hey, you remember what we talked about? I mean, let's be honest. Julio Jones, A.J. Green, and DeAndre Hopkins in Arizona? Uh, Dude. I mean, coming from – from a fan perspective here, let me just fan out for a second. I would be super pumped because who stops that? Like literally who, who can stop that? There is nobody. And I don't care if it's just a, a 50% AJ green with Julio Jones and Deandre Hopkins. It's, it's game over in the passing game. 
game over is right, man. And that's going to be Kyler Murray running for Dude. 1,500 yards if he wants to. I'm going because... to walk around with my pants off everywhere. <laughs> you know, my pants are optional the rest of the year. That's it, man. Once that, If that does happen, good Lord almighty. I mean, that, the thing with Julio, so, I, you know, the argument is always there on Julio. He's injury prone. He's this, he's that. And the thing is, is I had this debate with another buddy of mine, and I said, I said, you know what? He is not necessarily injury prone. If you look back, he has played in 13 or more games i believe in in all but two seasons it was this past year and i believe it was like 2014 or 2013 he played five games every other season he has played 13 or more but the argument is is that he's never fully healthy and i agree with that but does that make him necessarily injury prone the difference with julio is that Lately, he has always been, say, uh, he'll play the seven plays, and then you see him on the sidelines for like three or four. He'll play another eight plays. He'll be on the sidelines for another three. That's kind of how he's mitigating his injury risk. And, and maybe he's playing hurt this entire time because even in the red zone, this is why his TD upside was never there. If Julio Jones scored 10 TDs every single year, it's no question everybody would be saying he is one of the best to ever play, even though we already do. I mean, they would it would be already etched in history nobody would make that argument whatsoever but the touchdown upside and the touchdown uh, lack of productivity has put him in the place where he is right now so when you're talking about a wide receiver who's whose cap it is like what 16 18 million dollars you need that that scoring upside and then when you put him with a team like uh, like you're saying with tennessee you go with aj brown or something like oh my lord like now what do you do with with targets content now with the conversation morphs can can Tannehill support this are they going to move away from running you know what i mean but I, I, I wonder how this is really going to go down because could it be a conditional first round pick for him? Kind of like we saw with Carson Wentz. Is it going to be a second or it's a second with a conditional first based on uh, playoffs or, or usage, whatever it's going to be. I mean, we're not, we, we haven't heard the end of this for, I don't think a long time now. Man. No, absolutely not. And as far as Tannehill supporting it, I don't know if he could support Julio numbers that we've seen in the past of 16, 18, 1400 yards a season along with AJ Brown, but they could both easily be over a thousand. You know what I mean? I mean, that's like a, that's a slam dunk home run. I mean, we're talking about that and then a few big plays, but I think what you said was absolutely perfect. The touchdowns, everybody, everybody looks at the the lack of touchdowns. And if you look at almost every Julio argument in comment sections on videos, on Twitter, on any social media, one of the only arguments people have against this man is he doesn't score touchdowns. Mm -hmm. So if this guy is, like you said, getting eight to 10 touchdowns a year, this conversation isn't even being had whatsoever. But a lot of people want to blame Julio for the lack of touchdowns. And honestly, I don't put that blame solely on him. I mean, there's a lot of other options in that offense that has been over the past few years that have soaked up those touchdowns. Defenses are going to focus on Julio Jones in the red zone. It's just the the talent that he is, which leaves other wide receivers open with better looks, and that's why they've always gone other places because they're making the smarter play instead of forcing it to Julio Jones. If you have a player like A.J. Brown on the opposite side, you can't do that anymore. Mm. You're not going to double both of them unless you want the tight end standing all by his lonesome in the middle of the end zone. So, yeah, we could make for some big games there in Tennessee. I would love to see him there. And I, if, if, if Julio goes to Tennessee, man, and they don't know who to cover in the red zone, I think Derrick Henry would have a career year in receiving touchdowns. Oh, my touchdowns. God. Could <laughs> you imagine? How could you stack a box Holy against God. Julio and A.J. Brown ever? Oh, 
unbelievable man and they lost all their tight ends that that would just be unfair man yes. Un- unbelievable but not yeah, all that, of them they have anthony fersker damn it i'm, I'm going after fersker man I so am i give I, me some fersker late in drafts sleeper appeal that's where's, right where's my horn man i need a horn you, uh, wait you got a horn uh, i'll make one up right now because okay well, do you actually have a horn though i, I do i don't know where it went though man wow. you know, <laughs> oh whatever. that's impressive i think i don't know i, I, I don't have a I horn so i don't know Whatever. We're, we're just talking about just smack right now. <laughs> Aaron Rodgers continues as well, dominating this. And I mean, I'm, I'm getting tired of talking about it at this point. I mean, take a crap and get off the pot, man. Like this is, this is kind of where I'm at with this whole situation now in green Bay. Now, all of a sudden, so here's the thing I was kind of saying, you know, was Aaron Rodgers kind of being the crybaby ish, you know, saying, you know, this and that, and, and I don't want to be replaced. And uh, he doesn't realize that that's how he got his job, et cetera. You guys know this. We've spoken about this before, but now he comes out already. And he says the frustrations were not with Jordan love with the drafting of love and not with the coaching staff. So then what the hell is it, man? Who do you have a problem with? in this organization that really has anything to say about what you're doing on the field or, or like, I, I just, I don't get it, man. Like, okay, so what's your problem? So are you backtracking now to say that, Hey, you know, I'm kind of trying to, you know, make the waters a little bit more clean so that it makes, you know, me save face so I can return to green Bay. Is that kind of how I read it, man? That's, that's kind of how I'm seeing it go right now. I think it was almost an F you to the general manager and the, and the ownership of the club. Right. I mean, I think that was a backhanded way of saying that because if you look at the moves, over the past few years, there's a lot of questionable moves, right? The drafting of Jordan Love was one of them. Whether he likes the kid or he doesn't, questionable moves. How about uh, paying Aaron Jones all that money when you already have drafted a potential replacement with A.J. Dillon before, and then you let Jamal Williams walk? I mean, the guy never gets wide receiver help. I mean, did anybody know who Marquez Valdez-Scantling was or Alan Lazard was or Equinamia St. Brown, if you're not paying that close attention, Chris? Uh, you know, I mean, a lot of the – the casual fans have no idea who sure. these guys are. And once Jordy Nelson was let go, it's kind of like things went downhill. Him and Jordy were super close, and he never really got a replacement for Jordy. And ever since then, it just seems like I think every year he goes into the offseason saying, all right, we're going we're gonna to take care of the offense. I'm going to get me some big-name playmakers. And then it just never happens. Mm-hmm. Could you imagine what this guy could do with a legit wide receiver too? I mean, he's making names that you've never heard of relevant. Imagine, I mean, I see people in the, in the comments all the time saying, oh, let's let's send Julio to Green Bay. Uh-huh. I mean, Julio Jones in Green Bay with Devontae Adams is borderline stupid. But <laughs> at this point, think about it, though. Imagine if a top name, a top-tier wide receiver, too, was there. We're talking about all these other teams going out there and signing big names and trying to make things happen. The Packers just don't. I mean, they just... They just don't. I mean, ever since what Randall Cobb left and then Jordy Nelson left and nobody ever came back. And it's just like, what, what the hell is going on? Jake Kumaro? Is that who we were counting on for a few years? It's, I think it's just come to a head. You know, it's like a, it's like a zit. It's like a teenage zit. It's like, it forms under the skin and you know, it's about to break through at some point. And finally that bastard comes to a head. And this is exactly where we are right now. And Aaron Jones is finding a way to like pop that zit without having to come out and literally just physically do it. 
So then, you know, when the explosion happens on your yes. mirror, yeah, when you, yes. when you pop that zit, yes. when do we see this explosion? Because this is kind of where I'm at now. I don't want to hear the, the banter anymore. Okay. You know, Aaron, you know, just, you know, I get it, man. You're pissed off. And, and for a lot of cases, rightfully so, I'm not going to sit here and tell you otherwise, you know, you're in the organization. I'm not. So it, it, it's totally your ball game. But, but when it comes down to this, well, even what's the play here? So now they brought in all these extra quarterbacks to say, hey, we're moving on. But you got like Blake Bortles and company guys who don't even do football. Like, really? I mean, <laughs> this is just what they do. Like Joe Schmo out there. Just exactly. Some right? dude was a parking lot attendant last year. <laughs> yeah, man. He, he's the valet, man. Sign him. He's good. Um, but but I don't know what else to say on this topic anymore. It's it's getting to, to be a nuisance for me. And I don't know, maybe maybe I'm just reading too much into it. But I kind of felt like, you know, I agree with you. I think he was kind of setting a precedent, but also to the point where he's trying to clear the waters and say, I'm going to I'm going to poke you as much as I can in the media. And then I'm just going to come back and we're going to play because I'm cool with my players and my coaching staff. And then we're all happy fantasy wise because all the players are going to, you know, skyrocket. Yep. And if you think about it, Aaron Rodgers still holds all the cards in this situation. He doesn't have to say or do anything because Green Bay is really at his whim. I mean, they need Aaron Rodgers. They can't, they can't do what they've done in the past few years without Aaron Rodgers. Uh, and he knows that. He's not in it for the money anymore. He's made a bajillion and twelve dollars. I mean, he he knows his plus he knows he's probably gonna be the host of Jeopardy when he ret- when he retires anyway. So does it really even matter to him? Probably not. I mean, if you look at all of his interviews, he's laid back. He's cool, calm, collected. He was joking around, having fun with Kenny Mayne on ESPN. We, we saw him all season long on the Pat McAfee show. I mean, he's just – he is a calm, laid-back dude anyway, and I don't think he has zero Fs to give. And he's just going to say and do as he pleases, and they either conform or they don't, and he moves on, and he doesn't really care. Yeah, the situation is very interesting. But that's all I'll talk about from now on because I can't handle it anymore. It's starting to get a pimple on my forehead just thinking about this anymore. Wow. Yeah, yeah. See what happens on this show? Joe Burrow, he comes back, man. We got OTAs, baby, OTAs. I'm sitting there glued to my TV. I'm watching as much as I possibly can. Joe Burrow's on the field tossing balls and rockets to his his former LSU teammate, Jamar Chase, and it was a lovely sight to see. Man, I'm I'm shocked that he is back so early. I get it. He's a young dude, and, and, you know, recovery speed is that much better for these young guys. But I mean, really, we're talking end of May and OTAs and this guy's got a brace on and he is slinging the football. I, I mean, did you think this was going to happen? Because I, I sure as hell didn't. For somebody who has, you know, that much, you know, future in the NFL with a team that has been trying to crawl out of the basement, I would have thought that we didn't see him till like July, August at the earliest. earliest. They were going to play it safe. But maybe it was just me watching some of those clips from OTAs and Maybe it's just a weird side of me that I need to have checked out. It, it, it's like he looks more mature, dude. Yeah, like, right? It's like he went from a kid to a grown-ass man, like like over the span of a couple months. Like, he just looks different. Like, he, mm. he looks like he aged, like, not in a bad way. I mean, he's not, like, old by any means, but he's he just like, damn, like, he looks, he looks good for, for somebody coming off a, a horrific injury. He looked like he was ready to go. Like, he just played 16 games. Mm. You know what I mean? So he's... He's going to be exciting because Joe Burrow, even though his offensive line is less than average, is still somebody that can go out there in an offense with that many weapons that maybe we don't see big plays unless a wide receiver makes a defender miss because he's not going to have the time to, to hang back in the pocket and let those plays develop down the field. 
but he's somebody with those weapons that could just eat up the underneath routes. And those receivers with Jamar Chase and T Higgins and Tyler Boyd, mm. they could just rack up receptions this year. Now the, the yardage is going to be kind of iffy, right? Because there's three of them. We still have Joe Mixon who Joe Mixon is lining up outside and wide receiver at times during these OTAs as well, which is, Awesome. That's very exciting. Uh, you know what I mean? But it's just like the amount of firepower in this offense that if they scale it the right way and they scheme it around the short to intermediate passing game, I think that we see offensive explosions in Cincinnati, but it's going to have to happen because I don't think their defense can hold people to low to low numbers. So they're going to have to score points. And, and man, seeing Joe Burrow out there with Jamar Chase, you get those 2019 tingles back in there and you're like, oh. this is going to this is going to be fun to watch. Oh man, I when the minute that I saw that, and I'm a, I've been a Zach Taylor guy, so the head coach of of the the Bengals, I'm a, I'm a, he's part of the Sean McVay tree. I mean, how can you not support something like that? He has it in within him to do it. I mean, interviews aside, I think he's he's he needs a little work there. But but when it comes to what they're putting on the field, I. I this is kind of like the Cowboys situation with the Gallup, the Cooper and, and the Lamb. You have so many weapons on this offense. And we saw it last year. I mean, he didn't uh, Burrow didn't take a very long time to, you know, get acclimated to the game and, and start slinging that ball and putting up big numbers. I, I, I loved every part of his game coming from the draft and thinking I was like, oh, man, he's going to Cincinnati. This sucks. But you know what? He showed he showed everything what he is. He, the, the stage isn't too big for him. You know, he, he was able to, you know, OK, he was he was. Uh, having struggles with support, but I mean, he was able to do what he needed to do week in, week out, and the progression was on the uptrend. So everything about his game, to me, translated with the eye test, and I was very excited for him. But seeing him on the field right now throwing balls, week one, baby, there is no question in my mind, barring a setback, he is going to start. And the Bengals are one of these clubs, man. Keep your eye on because, like Jake's saying, the defense may not be able to keep him in games. But for fantasy football, they're going to be putting up like 40 a game. And Joe Burrow inside your top 12, Chris? He is definitely inside my top 12. Is he inside your top 10? Now we're getting close. You know what I said? I even <laughs> I did his write-up already, and I'm thinking, you know what? I won't be shocked, man. If you're talking the 300 to 350 range of points, I, I think uh, I'm, I'm okay with it, man. Yeah, and like you said, the amount of potential scoring they're going to have to do. Look at their divisional games. Mm. Cleveland can put up some big numbers. They can control the clock on the ground. Burrow's going to have to throw for all four quarters to get those wins. Pittsburgh. Now all of a sudden you got Juju, Deontay Johnson, Chase Claypool, Najee Harris in the backfield. They're going to be able to score some points. And then you got the Ravens with Lamar Jackson and, and his new weapon in Rashad Bateman and Hollywood and Mark Andrews and J.K. Dopp. This is a division. That's six games just right there that he's going to have to throw a ton. If this kid can stay upright for any length of time, we could be seeing huge, huge numbers, even though a lot of them are going to be garbage points. I don't care. I don't They're care. still all the same in fantasy. Exactly. I don't give a damn. I don't when care if the you... Bengals go 0-17. I don't it, care. I want Burrow to score 350. Go 0-21. I don't care, man. You're I don't gonna, care. You know, as long <laughs> as you're throwing darts, you know, when it's time, you know, and there's two minutes left in the game and you're being, you know, shut out or something and you score two touchdowns, you know, I'm, I'm cheering. I can say the same thing about Buffalo. I don't care Whoa. if they go 0-17 as long as Josh Whoa. Allen's out there. Just kidding. That's, that's freaking to, below the belt, man. I'm out of here. I had to throw it in. I'm out of here, man. You do this rest of the show yourself, man. <laughs> See you later. Here we go, man. OTA continues. Speaking of Najee Harris, he took all the first team reps today for the running back position. We're not, I'm not surprised. I don't think anybody should be. And now, now you see again the, the Twitter sphere. They're like, 
oh my god 400 touches instantaneous it's like whoa 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 chill your role because you know what Najee's good man and this was the perfect landing spot for the man but you guys gotta understand he still is a rookie and he's gonna take some time to to you know get adjusted right and he I believe he's gonna have a very good season I know you're on the opinion that the hype is outweighing potential value in production and that's cool I, I like the argument because I mean you, you got some uh, velocity behind that argument I like it but, but for me, I, I think he's pretty safe, man. And I know that you used, and we've had this debate many times before, and, and, and I think we kind of differ on this one. And I mean, that's cool as well, because I'm thinking it is safer than what CEH was last year. I was, I mean, and I get everyone was in love with it because of the Kansas City offense. The difference here for me, and let me sell it to you this way, is Pittsburgh is, is built for the ground and pound. And then it's big Ben off the play action pass, even though they do have that plethora of talent at the wide receiver position. I just think Najee, this is everything they wanted James Connor to be. And even if he gets the 220 touches and maybe let's just say, I don't know, 30 targets for argument's sake in the past game, that might be a little high, but I'm saying, okay, at that point, you're talking 250 touches overall. That to me is an easy potential for 1100 to 1200 yards. And then maybe 10 to 12 scores overall. I, I just, I can't hate it whatsoever. And where he's being drafted right now, I, I just love it. I think that's the biggest thing right there at the very end where he's being drafted right now. And what do you think is going to happen? The more we see workouts of Najee Harris in the off season, it's going the price up. is just going to going. skyrocket. So here's my question. Here's the only way that I will rebut your argument. Will you take him in the first round as your running back one in 2021? No. Okay, then. And I get it. And I mean, that's the point. So if we're talking you know, that's the hype, the whole, and that's my whole thing, that was my thing with CEH. I, I tweeted it. it this week. I mean, that's the whole thing. I said, I don't hate the player. You hate the ADP. And it's all about the ADP because if I have to in August start my draft and Najee Harris is my number one, I'm going like all in on it. And I just can't do that. If he's my number two, if he's my running back two that I can get mid to late second. Okay. Mm -hmm. Now, now I'm buying back in again. But I just can't. And I have a feeling that the closer we get to the season and we start seeing, I mean, people are drooling over one drill, a, a drill, a clip came out of one drill and everybody is drooling over his footwork right now. Yeah, yeah. What is going to happen when we see more clips? Because the kid is super talented. His price is going to skyrocket. And if I could draft in May, cool, because you can get him like the third in August. I guarantee this guy's top, a top 12 pick if you want him. And I don't, I couldn't do that. Yeah, I mean, I'm, I'm of the argument always that, you know, you're going for proven commodity uh, nine times out of 10 over rookies, especially in redraft. I mean, how can you take that risk? And this is I wasn't in that same camp, but even CEH or CH falling down to me in the third round, I thought was too expensive. But when we're talking about RB2, I'm very comfortable with RB2 for Najee. And, and for RB1, yeah, no, it's a, you, got, you got guys like Derek Henry, uh, CMC. You can't do that just yet. No. And then we haven't seen what he's going to do. Pittsburgh's offensive line is in shambles. They lost a ton of support on that line. So that's where I agree with Jake. But, you know, if we're talking, if he's in the first, like, first 12 picks, yeah, I know, then my argument goes completely out the window, and then I'll be playing <laughs> Are You a Moron? Wow. That, that sounds like a game that I would like to play. You like that game? <laughs> that game is always fun, man. I would probably always lose that game. You know? <clears throat> so, you know what? We are at the point right now, and I wanted to do this. We've done this before in the past. 
never with you. So I'm curious. This is going to be fun, man. So it's ADP game, baby. ADP. And what we do here is values to return on investment, man. It's kind of, you know, it's fun. It's May. It's almost June. But, you know, the values are still set right now. And, and we're going to discuss them because I want to. And, and it's going to be fun. And you're going to. And it's like your show. It. So you can do what you want. And you're going to like it. So smile. <laughs> wow. Wow. <laughs> Putting the hammer down. Derrick Henry, man, ADP right now is 1.05. And I get it. I mean, King Henry is in the gym doing crazy, unreal workouts. He is right doing now. crazy things. I, don't like, even he, know. He, I put on Twitter, I said, hey, this dude looks like a real life Avenger. Everybody is out there talking about people's thigh size. And meanwhile, yeah. Derrick Henry is squatting Volkswagens. Yeah, I mean, it's he, ridiculous. He's lifting the whole gym. Like, yes. That's what he's doing. He goes outside and he, he picks the building up off the foundation. Like, that's what he's doing. Yes. But 105, and my argument on Henry has always been the uh, a sheer amount of workload. And, and now it is, again, here coming to fruition. 681 carries over the last two seasons, not including the playoffs. So he had more work. You got to see a potential drop off coming. I mean, we saw how many guys the statistic uh, and I'm not saying drop off to say like it's going to be less than a thousand yards. I'm saying everyone is thinking it's still going to be like the 1350 to 1500, you know, the whatever 10 to 15 touchdowns just because he's a freaking bulldozer. But I mean, he's built to absorb it. I get it. But I mean, there's got to be a point where he's got just the work has just got to take its toll. No. I, mm, I don't know. <laughs> I mean, this guy is just different than everybody else. We've never seen somebody this size with this athleticism in a run first offense the way that he is. I mean, it's like the first time that we've ever really come across. And people want to bring up like the freak of Adrian Peterson younger in the younger years. I mean, I get it. I'm not saying that Derrick Henry is the greatest of all time. Sure. It's just his size. He is able to. I think that he does more hitting than he gets hit. And he hasn't been somebody who struggled with soft tissue injuries or anything in the past. He doesn't have a reoccurring problem. I mean, he's healthy. He's in great shape. He doesn't show any anything lingering over the past few years in all of those touches. Now, do I think that he regresses? Yeah, I think it does. And obviously, the guy's not going to rush for 2,000 yards every year. I mean, we got to be realistic, but if he regresses down to 1400 yards and 10 plus touchdowns, am I still buying him at one Oh five? And the answer is absolutely yes. Like I may buy him even higher than that Ooh. still, because I want the safety, right? A sure. lot of people want to say how, Oh, if you play safe, you don't win fantasy football very much. Shut up. You know, at some point there has to be a good mix, right? You have to have your safe floor. You have to have the base of a roster. So that allows you to take a little bit more risk down the road with the guys in the later rounds. That's what this is all about. As of right now, you could take Derrick Henry in the first, maybe you want to go heavy running back. You could go Derrick Henry in the first, you could go with a, mm, I'm guessing here off the top of my head, cause I don't have ADP in front of me. You can maybe go with a Joe Mixon early second. You could get a CEH in the third. Mm -hmm. I mean, Joe Mixon is a risk, right? Nobody wants to hop on the Joe Mixon bandwagon again because of the last two years. Well, all of a sudden, if you have that safe play of a Derrick Henry in the first, where you know that he's going to give you right around 15 points a game, if Joe Mixon goes out there and gets you eight, it's okay because you still average 23. They're both averaging double digits. Your team's still scoring over 100 points a week, and your roster isn't being killed by that one guy. That's why I want that safety, and I don't know if you can make an argument for any other running back right now 
that is safer than Derrick Henry in the first round. And I stand corrected because that is a beautiful comeback. <laughs> I mean, I can't say anything about it, man. I mean, I'm a huge Derrick Henry guy as well. It was just, you know, you always see the past history of, of how much touches just, you know, kill. I mean, it always comes back to that Kansas City running back, Johnson. What the hell was his first name? I can't remember now. But he he got killed. Remember, he had like 350 carries one year. and then the Larry year, Johnson. Larry Johnson. <laughs> Thank you. And he, he just fell off a cliff. I mean, mm-hmm. but I mean, I get it. I mean, Derrick Henry is built differently. He is a freak of nature aaron jones he is currently at a 111 and here's the thing again (laughs) we are back into this conversation because it almost feels yearly Mm -hmm. do you trust aaron jones at 111 with aaron Rodgers? is this what we're doing again because last year you know we were saying the same thing productivity was was high uh, end zone efficiency for him and then again he comes back and he plays very well what did it warrant a first round pick? I mean, it's debatable, but, but are you, are you, are you reaching? I think I can call it that. Are you reaching at one eleven? I think you still kind of are. And I say that for this reason, I don't have the exact numbers right in front of me, but Aaron Jones, I believe it was week two had like 40 some fantasy points. Mm. He had more than like 50% of his points in like five games all season long. I don't want a guy for five games. Do I want a guy that's going to help me win? Yeah, but I want to have him help me win every single week. Aaron Jones, second half of the season, hurt a lot of people because he was going out there and getting five points a game. And I get it that at the end of the year, points are points, and he finishes inside the top five, but he only helped you four or five weeks. If you take away that week two huge explosion, all of a sudden the guy's not in the top 12 anymore. And that's the biggest issue is we are so reliant with him on the explosion games that if you don't get one, two, maybe three of those a year like we have been, you are definitely hurting. And at that point of the draft is where you really have to look and say, who else is available? Like if it's Aaron Jones or if it's Jonathan Taylor sitting in front of me, I have a decision to make because I have some of the same concerns over Jonathan Taylor, but I still think the floor weekly is safer with Jonathan Taylor than it is with Aaron Jones. Aaron Jones having the higher ceiling because he's not having to split as much. A.J. Dillon is going to get touches. He's going to play the Jamal Williams-esque type role where he's still going to get 8 to 12 touches a game. It's still going to happen. I hate it, but it's just the way the Green Bay uses their backfield, and it's never going to change. Mm-hmm. Uh, I, I, I just think that Aaron Jones and the word safe don't belong in the same sentence. I think that that's something where you take a risk early. You hope it pays off, but in turn, the second round, the third round, the fourth round, maybe even when you start looking at wide receivers, you need to play it a little bit safer because you took your risk early. Yeah, that's my biggest struggle. I mean, it, every year it seems we're doing this now since he exploded. Because where is it? You have Nick Chubb right behind him. Oh, God, you have, and you know who I'm taking. Exactly, me too. <laughs> and I, I think this is just ridiculous how much Chubb gets disrespected. Cam Akers, Austin Eckler. Uh, okay, DeAndre Swift. I might take Jones over that. And then, I mean, you're getting to the Gibson, Sanders, CH, and Dobbins. I might even do Dobbins above this. And 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 people will say, oh, you're crazy. But, you know, this is – got to see it a little bit uh, uh, future-telling because this is how Chubb was. Everyone – oh, yeah, Chubb, he's okay. And then, boom, if he didn't get injured, man, he was leading the league. Like, let's not kid ourselves. And this is the year that Chubb could actually lead the league, and I'd be okay taking Chubb top three. I'm I'm legit on Chubb this year. I don't care. I, I said in a video earlier in the week, I think it was, and I said, everybody wants to call me out for my Chubb bias, right? And everybody, oh, well, you're a Nick Chubb fan. Well, have I been wrong on the guy yet? Exactly. No, I haven't been wrong on him yet. So you can't keep calling something out if I continually have got it right. And Nick Chubb falls 
dangerously close to that Derrick Henry safe aspect because arguably the best offensive line in football on an offense that is going to dominate on the ground and they want to run the ball. Mm -hmm. That's why they built a great defense and a great offensive line. The guy, everybody says, oh yeah, the Kareem Hunt argument. Dude, who cares about Kareem Hunt? Nick Chubb missed a quarter of the season and finished inside the top 12 in fantasy for a reason. He's still going to get 20 touches and I don't care if he's not involved in the passing game. Neither was Derrick Henry when he led the league in rushing last year either. Uh, so yeah, when it comes to something like that, I'll take the safety in the first round to make sure that I get it with a Derrick Henry or a Nick Chubb. I'll, I'll let somebody else take that risk early and then I'll take my risk in the third round with somebody like a J.K. Dobbins who could actually explode and, and give me that potential RB3. Are you kidding me? He could be my flex spot and could be a, a top 12 option every week. That's where I'll take my risk in the third, not in the first. We speak the same language because I, I agree with absolutely everything there. Everybody else, you can stuff. totally redeem yourself. Redeem yourself. You guys can <laughs> stuff it. James Conner, man, this guy. I was, I was, I was going through the ADP. He sits at a nice nine point oh three right now. Bye. And hey, bye. Smash the buy button. Thank you. I love it. We're on the <laughs> same page today. I love it. I am all over this because when you're talking about value to return on investment, you will not get a greater deal here at this point where we're talking than James Conner. And it's just, it continues to creep. And I have a feeling if we do see him, I'm praying that he doesn't play much in the preseason. I hope a lot of Edmonds plays in the preseason because if we see a lot of Conner, people are going to start seeing what we're seeing. There is just too many weapons on this offense now for anyone to stop this run game successfully. I don't care what happened in the past with Kenyon Drake this is completely different okay yes okay Edmonds is a good running back he is not your three down force okay it's not gonna happen don't get convinced by it I am at 903 you have the potential to have a running a low-end running back two three on your roster weekly because of what Arizona is on offense and and for me 903 I the injury risk is there you know you're coming with the injury risk every time with Connor but I'm, I'm willing to take it in the ninth round. And I continually see people out there saying, no, you guys are wrong on Connor. This is all Chase Edmonds. Well, why did they sign James Connor then? If that's what it was, why didn't they take a rookie late in the draft, give Edmonds the backfield, somebody else, they just drafted Eno Benjamin last year. Why, why aren't these guys, why aren't these the options? They went out and signed James Connor to play the Kenyon Drake role. Like this is exactly what it is. Cliff Kingsbury is somewhat predictable when it comes to things like this is, you see Chase Edmonds, and we got to actually see Chase Edmonds with no Kenyon Drake a little bit last year, and he mm -hmm. couldn't handle it all 17 games now. There's just no way. The, the reason that Chase Edmonds finds success in this offense and in fantasy football is because of the role that he plays in that offense. If you give him the early down work and you ask him to run between the tackles, you're going to be severely depressed because that's not his game. He needs the ball in space. He needs to be involved in the passing game. He needs to be out there on third and long so he can take a, a halfback draw play 15 yards and really boost his yards per carry because that's what he does in this offense. And I'm not taking anything away from that. Mm -hmm. It's great. And he's, he's still a decent value. But when it comes to goal line carries, when it comes to ground and pound late in games, a lot of people expect Arizona to be contending in that division this year. Who's going to be running the ball late to control the clock? It's got to be James Conner, not Chase Edmonds. And at that point in the draft, in the ninth round, in my fantasy drafts, I, I'm only speaking for myself here. By the ninth round, if I'm taking a running back, he's my fourth running back at that point. 
what can you go wrong with your fourth running back? I will take a bench player like a James Conner and throw him on my bench in the ninth round because the wide receiver position is so deep. I can continually stack talent into the double digit rounds. I don't care. But by the ninth round, I have my quarterback. I'll have three running backs already. I'll probably already have a wide receiver or two and, and I'll absolutely smash the buy button on James Conner. I love it all day long because it is true. And I mean, here's the thing. We all have seen the production of James Conner in the past when he is on the field. It, it, it was in Pittsburgh. How can you argue the point that the, the systems or the teams uh, overall won't be scoring virtually the same type of points? So, I mean, anybody that's off the Conner thing, I get it. It's the injury risk. But I mean, value to return on investment is always the name of the game. So, don't And the offensive that... line has improved in Arizona over That's Pittsburgh it. as well. Great, great point, man. Great point. And I think, you know, the desert air is going to make him not go into Be the... rejuvenated. Yeah, that's it, man. You know, you cook, him and man. AJ Green both. They're about to have a rebirth. Have you ever noticed, though, like every sport in Arizona, people towards the end of their career, they go to Arizona and they find huge success. Like yeah. baseball, Randy Johnson, Kurt Schilling, Luis Gonzalez back. And they all won a world series. It's I mean, heat, man. it's it is. Heat. You got Charles Barkley. He went to Arizona, he went to the Phoenix suns at the time. And Steve Nash went there in the middle of his career. He won an MVP. Yeah. And, and for the Cardinals yet, yeah, Emmett Smith go there at the end of it. Okay. Emmett Smith didn't do a whole lot, <laughs> No, but <laughs> he still went there. Kurt Warner. What about Kurt Warner? Kurt Warner. Yeah. He went See? there. He took him to a super people go to Arizona and the, rejuvenate careers like that's what arizona is is meant for they never get anybody in their prime but they'll get them on that downswing and suck every bit of life out of yeah. them that they can because it's like that 180 degree temperature and it that melts desert. off all sickness everything man it just you yes. know it's like an iron lung outside man basically <laughs> what <Yes>. I, <laughs> I, I love it all day long you know what you're gonna call me a fandom on this one and i'm telling you to stop God, here it. we go i'm telling you to stuff it because you know why i'm removing all bias i have to and it's funny because i would yeah, man i was naysaying this guy you know i was i was saying man i just backfield i wanted at the for god's sakes so that shows you I, i'm not biased man but I started reading down the ADP list and Mr. Zach Moss, he, he's like, he, he, you know, he's like this little troll coming out of the thing saying, Hey man, look at me, look at me. I'm right here. And, and I start looking and, and I'm like, you know what? This is interesting to me because he is at 10.06, 10.06. So the same argument we're talking about with James Conner. Yes. The bills couldn't run for dog shit last year. I get it. But I mean, this is intriguing to me because now it's another year in the system. The Bills are moving in the right direction. They brought back every piece. The offensive line is still good. What are we, what are we saying? What are we saying? <laughs> I feel like you're settling. I'm going to make an analogy here. Okay. We're going we're gonna to close our eyes and picture this. Okay. You are a younger Chouse. I'm talking okay. like 19-year-old Chouse. Perfect. And even though that was back in the 70s, you're on your cell phone. And you're going through your dating apps and you're looking for, for a girlfriend, right? And you're swiping right and you're swiping left and you're doing it and nothing has worked out for a year. So finally you're like, forget it. I'll lower my standards. I guess, I guess this one's good enough. Like that's where I feel you're at with Zach Moss right now. I was like, I guess it's okay. I'll, I'll settle for it because I didn't get what I wanted in ETN. I know, I, I know we're just not going to be good, but I got to have something. I feel like you're just grasping at straws because Zach Moss absolutely sucks balls. Oh. Like <laughs> the dude is just not good. And I, I understand the appeal, but A, he can't stay healthy for crap. Uh, B, he's just not a big enough part of that offense to where he's going to see consistent touches every week. And I don't want a guy who's going to get 15 one week and four the next. I want somebody who's going to get 12 every single one. And I don't see him on a weekly basis being a big enough part of this offense 
to where I would ever want to start him. So if I don't ever feel like I want to start him ever, like I won't draft him. So I will own zero shares of Zach Moss this year. Okay, then. See, that's how it goes. <laughs> you told me to stuff it. I had to bring stuff it hard. It. He stuffed it right back in the – jammed it right in my face, man. But, he, I mean, why would – would you ever – could you see yourself starting Zach Moss? So If you you're know, starting Zach Moss, what is your team record? My team record is winning championships. <laughs> I, you know what it is? It's, it, I'm, I'm just looking at value for God's sakes, man. Like, Dude, you know, sorry, I'm just give me a freaking bone here, man. <laughs> can you tell me who else is around that spot? You I cannot and I no? will not because, you know, it's just going to make my argument even worse. <laughs> Frick, it's awesome. Man. We're just going to move right on past that because I can't, I can't follow that up. Nothing, nothing but love for you. I just had, <laughs> to, I had to bring it back. It's always good. Love. Okay, good. Allen Robinson, let's move to some wide receivers. We'll close it out on wide receivers tonight, man. So Allen Robinson. So we all love this man. I mean, nobody can say anything bad about him. If you do, I mean, I think you got to go to the doctors and get your head checked because he is phenomenal for what he's been playing with the quarterbacks and the talent that he has had lack of, uh, he just continues to ball out barring injury. So now this year we got fields being the rookie. Okay. We still don't know how that's going to shake out. And then you got Andy Dalton. I am still not an Andy Dalton hater. I mean, you saw what happened in, in, in Dallas. He is not your prototypical elite quarterback, but he can support it. He supported AJ green for all these years. He goes to a team like Chicago, who is very much reminiscent of those Cincinnati Bengals days where it was only AJ Green. Yes, we do like Mooney. Yes, we do. Some people like uh, Miller. I'm not a huge fan, but I mean, you know, you got that Newsom kid they drafted as well. So they do have options. This room is growing in the receiver room. I, I like it a lot. But when you're talking about the true alpha one wide receiver on a club now with a quarterback who can actually get him the ball. And I think it's even both. Regardless, I think if it's Dalton, I think he still he eats. I think if you put fields in, he feasts man like it's thanksgiving dinner so i mean for me the 306 is absolute disrespect for alan robinson and i'm buying up every single share that i possibly can everybody knows that i love running backs early and i'm not opposed to going running back the first three picks there are a few wide receivers this year that will cause me to stray away from that situation and alan robinson is 154 percent one of them because We've seen the target share in that offense, right? I mean, the guy's getting 150 targets. We know that. I mean, that's just, that's a given. He has put up Pro Bowl numbers with Blake Bortles, with Mitch Trubisky, with Nick Foles. Uh, Andy Dalton is better than all three of those guys. Agreed. So he is now at worst with Andy Dalton starting the year, having the best quarterback he's ever had in his career. And then at some point when Justin Fields take over, takes over, I think he's the best quarterback he's ever had in his career. And he's still playing for a contract. Like this guy is still on a one-year deal. He is not locked up. He can't take the year off. If he goes out there and just olays it, he's not going to help himself in his future. He needs one more big contract. And he's playing for it this year, and it's his best opportunity to put up numbers. I have Allen Robinson. It would not surprise me by the time the season starts. Allen Robinson may be inside my top like seven or eight wide receivers overall. Yeah, man. And I'm, I'm right there. I love with it. That. 
I love it too. And I, and you know, they made it even better when I started diving into this team, their defense regressed. So now you have an opportunity for even more productivity because their defense is not the same. I don't care. Okay. I, I'm still a big Khalil Mack guy, but that's secondary. Their secondary some, is horrible. They got some holes, man. So if they're not getting to the opposing quarterback, you're going to be seeing, man, it's going to be passes all day long, but I'm with you. I think Allen Robinson is one of these quiet, like I've tweeted something out like Eric Moles back in the day was the quietest superstar you ever saw. Allen Robinson is kind of like that, man. It's like he, all he does is produce and perform like molds in one game had 200 record, 240 yards in a playoff game. This is Allen Robinson. It's the same argument because what he does, he just continues to perform. You, you go look at even a stat line. Like if you're not home watching a game, you look at the first quarter, it's like, he's got five targets. You look by the third or fourth quarter, it's like 14 targets. And you're like, mm-hmm. this is every single week, man. And, and right now, cause we just did our rankings the other day. I have met wide receiver 10 as of today. Right above him, as of right now, I have Michael Thomas, Calvin Ridley, DK Metcalf, and Justin Jefferson, as of right now. But honestly, I would not be opposed to putting Allen Robinson as high as number six right now, because I think all those guys have somewhat of a risk. Justin Jefferson, I love him. I love the talent. I would love to have a lot of him, but I don't. he's not going to catch people off guard this year. Like now now yep. they're going to start game planning for that kid. Yep. Uh, DK Metcalf, they want to run the ball more in Seattle, and they still have Tyler Lockett. They added Gerald Everett. Does he take away some touchdowns? Calvin Ridley is kind of the X factor there. What happens if Julio Jones leaves? Does Calvin Ridley absolutely feast, or do we just get more volume going the way of Kyle Pitts, and he gets bumped up the rankings? Michael Thomas, who the hell is his quarterback going to be? So there's arguments for all these guys directly above him where Allen Robinson could have that safe factor slot in at number six, and I, I don't lose any sleep over it. Me neither. I, I, I'm very comfortable in that sense. If, if that's your game and you're saying, you know, what, I'm taking Allen Robinson, I'm, I'm, I'm sitting here with two thumbs up, patting you on the back because I think it's a good move. 150 plus targets each of the last two years, averaged 100 catches each year and right around 1,200 yards and six and a half touchdowns. I mean, that's you can't and I can get it in the third round. OK. Yeah, you sign me up. You can't fade that productivity Mm. at all, man. So another guy that I love, like love man crush, but I don't know what to do with him this year. I really don't. I'm I'm struggling. I'm I'm dissecting all the analytics. I'm going to the systems and schemes, and I'm still very, very much confused. And that's Mr. Kenny Galladay. Right now, he is at a 6.01, and I mean, he is the alpha wide receiver. I I truly believe it. He can take over a game. We've seen it in the past, but I mean, playing in New York now. So I am not a Daniel Jones guy whatsoever. You know, he makes plays, and this is the problem. I think this is what has Gettleman confused, is because he makes plays, and then all of a sudden he shits the bed, and he's throwing interceptions, or he's fumbling the football, and then your team is losing. And then by the time you're already six and like, you know, or three and six, and you're like, well, what is the season going to do for me? What does Kenny Galladay do in this offense? And this is the thing in the sixth round, he's likely going to be your wide receiver too. So, I mean, that's a, that's a pretty big investment, man. And are you going to see that return? I really, I I really truly question it this season. And it, it sucks because I like the guy. I think the bigger question is, do you trust Daniel Jones to take the step forward? Cause if the question, if the answer to that question is no, then you already have your answer with Kenny Galladay because there's just too many options in this offense. You know, drafting Kadarius Tony. They brought in John Ross. They still have Darius Slayton. They still have Sterling Shepard. I mean, there's so many options in this offense, plus they get Saquon Barkley back. Personally, there are other guys in that same general vicinity that I would rather have. I would rather have – I mean, this may sound crazy. I'd rather have DJ Chark this year than 
than Kenny Galladay. I love some Shark Week this year. And I don't hate that. I don't hate that. Cooper Cup. I like, give me some Cooper Cup with Matthew Stafford right around that same area. CeeDee Lamb. Uh, CeeDee Lamb and Dak Prescott started to get on the same page before Dak's injury. I'll take CeeDee Lamb over Kenny Galladay because it, it goes to that risk versus reward. So you're not, the risk may not be there as big at that point of the draft. And maybe in years past, even just last year with Kenny Galladay, you had to take him super early. And this is not a knock on his skill set or anything whatsoever. No nope. talent wise, dude is top 10. Landing spot wise, with him playing in New York, I just I can't do it. I have him at number 25 overall right now for wide receivers. And there's just a lot of other names in that general vicinity that I don't have to think as hard about. On a weekly basis, I'm gonna have to look at Kenny Galladay and make a decision. Like, do I want to start this guy? Like, do I really want to? Where if I look at a Cooper Cup more times than not. I'm going to start him because I know they're going to be throwing the ball in Los Angeles. So yeah. it's just it, it just too many question marks, too many red flags. Now, if you're one of those guys that likes to go heavy wide receiver early in drafts, maybe you're a zero RB guy. If you are, more power to you. I sure. don't know how you I don't know how you live your life, but oh, whatever. <laughs> uh, maybe Kenny Galladay's your number four. Okay. Okay. Then yeah. I'm okay with it. I mean, hopefully he's not. If he's your wide receiver four in the sixth round, though, I mean your running backs are straight garbage. You know what I mean? So. It just all depends. It's just too many question marks for me. I think Daniel Jones takes a small step forward, but they have so many weapons that that step forward gets dispersed between all of them. And not one of these guys has the huge season, but overall they're pretty solid. Yeah. And I, he's, this is the argument goes two ways as well. It's twofold because Kenny Galladay is a, is a wide receiver that can make any quarterback better. And, and I truly believe that we've seen it with how many guys I made the same argument with Rashad, Rashad Bateman going to Baltimore. He is definitely going to make Lamar Jackson better. Usually you see it the other way around. The quarterback makes a wide receiver better. This is, these are the type of situations where it's the flip. And, and when it comes to Kenny Galladay, I mean, the skill set is so good. I had him last year in my top six because I really, truly believed it was going to be his breakout, and then he got injured. So, I mean, okay, it's a wash at this point for argument's sake, but when you're talking about Kenny G in New York, like you're saying, I'm. how can we trust uh, Jason Garrett even? I mean, Jason Garrett is – I have to say it. Sorry, man, no disrespect. You suck at calling plays. <laughs> I mean, it's just high garbage too. I mean, that's just how it is. But, I mean – it's such a struggle for me. If, if, if he's dropping maybe into the eighth round uh, and then he's like, maybe my flex uh, wide receiver three, then maybe I'm, 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 I'm taking a shot. And I think that's going to happen. I think we're going to see a lot of people. It's going to happen. Like I got Will Fuller last year in like the 11th round in one of my leagues because everyone was worried about the injury. It's kind of the same situation. He, we could see a drastic fall down the board because everyone's terrified. And if I get him later then the value will be a, a very decent return on investment. Yeah. Like, well, like I've said in the past, everybody has value except for Devin Funches and Ronald Jones. <laughs> Everybody else has a price on, on draft day, except for those two. Forever Funchess, man. Forever, forever, never. Forever. <laughs> Plus, you got to – don't forget, one name. One name alone can take you off the Kitty Galladay bandwagon. It's Kelvin Benjamin. That's it. That's how it goes. <laughs> <laughs> Tight end three, Calvin Tight Benjamin. Tight end three, Kelvin Benjamin. 25 <laughs> touchdowns. Exactly. Paris Campbell, man. We got a soft spot for this guy. And this is another problem. A player that we like, but will he ever show it? He right now sits at a freaking astronomical 14.11. And and I mean, okay, it's it's justified because he hasn't done anything. So we're not going to lift him up the board. But do you take him? Obviously, 15 round drafts, 16 rounds. I mean, I'm okay at 14 and and say, you know what? I'm going to throw a dart at the board again. Hopefully I hit a bullseye. 
Yeah, and I mean it's a it's a different situation, right? So you have Carson Wentz there now, which I think is a good thing for the pass catchers. I still think Carson Wentz is not as bad as a lot of people want to say he is. Agreed. They brought back T.Y. Hilton, which I don't love for Paris Campbell, but T.Y.'s on the outside, Campbell's in the slot, so it doesn't matter. Uh, they have Michael Pittman Jr., who I think is going to be the red zone guy, a big play type guy. Paris Campbell, if this dude could stay healthy, which is the biggest question, is a PPR dream. He kind of reminds me of like maybe like an old school Randall Cobb or a Jamison Crowder or something like that, where he just rack up the receptions, right? He may not get big yardage, but he could rack up seven, eight, nine receptions a game, maybe for 70 yards and get you double digit points on a weekly basis. But he also has that game breaking speed where he could take that short slant route, that five yard slant, make one linebacker miss and he's absolutely gone. So that's kind of what I'm looking for at that point of the draft, right? As you're trying to find, those surprise guys. Do I want to just, do I want to take like a Hunter Renfro? Hunter Renfro ain't going to blow past no linebackers and go for 90. Paris Campbell could, and that's the guy that I'll take a risk on. Now at that point in the draft, you're not drafting anybody and hoping to throw them into your lineup. If you're having to start this guy, it's because you have injuries, you have bye weeks whatever it is. If that's the case, I got to try to make up that difference. I got to try to hit a home run. You can hit a home run with somebody like a, a, a Paris Campbell, and you really have zero risk at that point in the draft. I'll, I'll gladly take another, you know, stab at Paris Campbell once again here this year. Yeah, I'm all, I'm all for it as well, man. I, I when I saw it, I'm like, holy crap, man, 14. This is like gold for me. This is the like dude me, can just play. You know, I'm just going in the backyard and I'm digging and I found gold. Like that's that's wow. this. Yeah, exactly. You know, this is this is why I, you know, I'm happy and I'm smiling from ear to ear all the time. <laughs> when can I come over? Anytime. I got a you, shovel. We can go to the neighbors <laughs> and start digging, man. You know. <laughs> We'll just do it that way. But I'm 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 with that. Paris, uh, Paris, um, Paris Campbell. What my comp for him was Percy Harvin, and and it's it's legit. And I think he's a stronger Percy Harvin. And if he could just stay on the field, it's gold and glorious all day long. Last one I got, man. Let's finish this up on this guy. And and you may not agree, but I I I'm thinking it's sneaky, man. It's a sneaky sleeper to me. And this is a caveat if they don't add in any more wide receivers to this room. If they go into the season the way they are today, Josh Reynolds of Tennessee. I think this is such a sneaky freaking pick that people need to be aware of. And we're here to help the people, Headliner Nation. This is what we do for you. I mean, you know, this is what we do. 17.12. This is how far down he is going. They literally have no one else to throw the ball to, and somebody has to take this role. They signed him for a reason. LA Rams used him. And this he was my biggest problem when I wanted to see Van Jefferson in LA. And I said, you know, get rid of Josh Reynolds already. Let's see Van come in. Now he has his opportunity. Is he a top-end wide receiver too? Hell no. But does he have the potential? Yes, he does. And, and I think that it, obviously 17, if you're in a 15-round draft, he is going to be falling out of your draft anyway, and he'll be likely sitting on the waiver. So if you're not picking him, because I, I don't know why you wouldn't, but I mean, uh, definitely keep uh, the, the star on this player as, as a hot note, because after a couple of weeks, you know, he could be scoring touchdowns uh, sneaky in that, in that offense this year. That's the thing is, like, what other options do they have? I mean, we joked about Anthony Fersker earlier, which is another option, sure. But, I mean, let's be realistic. I mean, yep. Anthony, Anthony Fersker not going to be a league leader in receptions. Right. Uh, as of right now, the defense has to pay attention to two people, Derrick Henry and A.J. Brown. And that's the leading rusher in the NFL 
and arguably one of the best young receivers in the NFL. Like those are not just like, oh, it's their number ones. We got to cover them. No, you really have to pay attention to those guys. We have to stack the box. We need to double team AJ Brown. (laughs) Josh Reynolds could be like literally alone out there a lot this year. And that is, that's great for potential fantasy production, right? Especially because there's zero risk. He's your last pick in the draft, probably right before a kicker, maybe. Mm -hmm. I mean, what do you have to lose other than a guy that has a potential, what, 80, 90 target floor on the season? Mm. I mean, at that point in the draft, who else can you really say that about? And if it's me, somebody who doesn't go heavy wide receiver early, and I'm trying to load up on wide receivers late and just hoping that one of them hits, Josh Reynolds needs to fit into that category because like I said, target target share is a thing, right? They need to have, they have to have opportunities. They can't score you points if they're not touching the football and there's no other wide receivers probably in that general vicinity that has that 90 target, 85 target floor, like a Josh Reynolds, even if he goes out there and only catches 60 to 65 balls, he still has that potential for what? 700 yards, Mm -hmm. a handful of touchdowns. That's not bad for a, a flex option in a bye week. I, I would gladly throw that in there in a good situation, a good matchup. I love it all day long because here's the argument as well on the flip is, is saying, okay, we know how good A.J. Brown is. He can take over a game, but you know with nobody else on this field, they are going to send the double and triple teams. He is going to be dealing with this all season long, and defensive uh, coordinators are going to they're going to say, hey, we dare you to keep throwing to A.J. Brown, and someone will have to take over, okay? And you don't necessarily have another running back in this room that's going to be spelling Henry to be like uh, the PPR back. We saw with Deion Lewis, man, that never came to fruition. I, I was a big Darrington Evans guy. That never came to fruition. And and now with, with Reynolds, I think, um, man, for the risk, for value to return on investment, I think it is absolutely phenomenal. And do not forget his name. Dude, listen to some of the games that Tennessee has this year. They start off with the Arizona Cardinals. Where is their biggest weakness on defense? Secondary. Yep. The next week, The Seahawks, biggest weakness, probably secondary. The Colts, decent secondary, not above average, but they're solid. Then they go to the Jets. Then they got the Jaguars. Then they got the Bills. They're okay. Uh, Then they get the Chiefs, solid secondary. The Colts once again, and then the Rams. After that, after that, he gets the Saints, who isn't, he's not getting Marshawn Lattimore. That's going AJ Brown. So he's, he's good to go there. Mm -hmm. Then he gets the Texans. Beautiful. And then a, a difficult matchup against uh, the Patriots. Then he gets the Jaguars again. He'll have another game in the later in the season against the Texans. I mean, these are all games that he can go out there and get you eight receptions easily in those games. And you're not reliant upon him. Maybe you're in a deeper league that starts like two, three, four flex guys. He is like perfect at that point of the draft. Yeah, he is. Again, he's going to have flex matchup appeal all season long, man. Don't get that twisted. I love it all day long. But hey, man, we ran long. But you know why? Because it's fun to talk football. That's all I got, man. Hey, I appreciate you letting me air some grievances to begin with. That's better to do it at the beginning than at the end, because now we can end on a good note. You know, and with positivity. That's right. Everybody is good. I hope you're happy. Give your loved ones a hug because that makes everyone happy. But anyway, we'll close this one out, man. So on that note, that is the show. Thanks so much for tuning in. You can find me on Twitter at Chris underscore FH1. You can find Jake on Twitter at FNTSY Headliners. To all the listeners, thank you for all the support. On behalf of Jake, thanks again for listening. Until next time, stay safe and be kind to each other. I'm out.